Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are So I want to share with you because something that this song talks about a little bit, a lot of it, the goodness of the Lord. And um, last Sunday, something special happened here. And I I want to just say something real quick because something happened last Sunday that I don't want to overlook and I don't want to take for granted. I don't want to ignore it. And I believe it was special, just like I believe what's happening this Sunday is special. And um, maybe not everyone got it. Maybe not everyone understood it. And it's not the first time it's happened. Just like whatever happened last week, I just experienced something this Sunday where, where I'm seeing where, where it wasn't new last week because we're, we're experiencing it again this week. And last Sunday, we began to sing a song. And the song, it was a song that the Lord dropped in my heart. And I felt as if the Lord was singing it over us, just literally singing it over us. At least that's what I felt. And um, we, we began to sing, the beauty of the Lord speaks over us. How many of you remember that last Sunday? The beauty of the Lord speaks over us. And we began to sing that. The beauty of the Lord speaks over our sin. The beauty of the Lord speaks over our shame. The beauty of the Lord speaks over our brokenness, etc. etc. so on. You, you guys get it. And we, we were just singing whatever the Lord was, was releasing, the beauty of the Lord. And, and I want us to understand And I want us to hear the Lord when he speaks to us when we gather. Amen? I want us to do that. Whether it's through song, whether it's through word, that whatever it is, that we'd be that we be attentive to his leading and his directing us. That we'd be attentive to that. So I said I said last Sunday, well, you know what? I think I'm gonna write a song. I don't know if you guys caught that. I'm gonna write a song about about the beauty of the Lord. Well, I, didn't, I wasn't able to write a song, but at least I was able to write a sermon. So I, I, I figured that would be good enough. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's so many things um, when we think about the beauty of the Lord. So many things when we think about the beauty of the Lord. Where, where do we begin? Where do we go with this? The beauty of the Lord. And, and you know, it's, it, was, it was just rolling inside of my heart a lot throughout the week. And I think of Luke chapter 24. If you're taking notes, you could write that down. Luke chapter 24. We're not going to get into the whole passage for sure, not today. But in Luke 24, uh, it's a special encounter there that happens. Oh, man. Jesus dies, and time has passed. And after the third day of his death, he now has resurrected. He's resurrected, and that's where we're at in Luke 24. Jesus has resurrected. And he has two of his followers. One translation says two of his disciples. These were two men that were part later on of the gathering of the 11 disciples. Remember, one killed himself. So these were two added men. I think one of them was like Cleopas or whatnot. I forgot their names in the Bible, but it's there. And these two men were walking down a road. In Luke 24, and as they were walking, they were, um, 
they, they were struck at the heart and they were having a conversation about like what just happened and, and you, could, you could see how life was very difficult for them in this moment because something extraordinary just happened to their leader on Friday. And for them, it was mind-blowing because they put all their chips on this man. This was their Messiah. This was the one that was going to revolutionize the world and, and win Israel from Rome. Finally, he's arrived. And next thing you know, he's being arrested, flogged, and beaten, you know, made fun of, and then he's being hung on a cross, and, and he dies. And, and can you imagine their hearts, how, it, how they just sunk within them? Like, wow, have you ever had hope in something and everything, the hope that you had in that thing, just what you feel just failed you and your heart just feels sunk? And that's, you could almost sense that that's what they were going through and they were having a discussion on this road. And, and what's beautiful about this is that Jesus shows up. The resurrected Jesus shows up. And he teaches them because they're confused about the Messiah. They're not sure. So he begins to say, man, you know, you guys, you guys don't get it. You don't understand. And, and what he does is he begins to teach them the Old Testament scriptures, like of the prophets con concerning himself, concerning Jesus. And, and he begins to say, you know, the prophet said this about him, said this about him, said this. And, and they spent a long journey walking. And, and all Jesus was doing, the resurrected Jesus, was, was just sharing and sharing and sharing with them what the prophets in the Old Testament said concerning himself. And scripture says that these men did not recognize him as they were walking with him in his resurrected form. They didn't recognize him. When he was about to leave, they were so addicted to him. And they know, stay with us. We want to hear some more of what you have to say to us. And he stayed till evening with them and goes to the table to eat with them and breaks bread. And when he goes to break bread, scales from their eyes fall. And scripture says that they recognize that it was him. And instantly, Jesus is gone. So cool. It's almost as if when he physically broke the bread, the, the revelation of himself just dropped on their heart. And they said, whoa, it's him. It's Yeshua, the Messiah, it's him. And they opened their eyes and he was gone from them. But I want you, if you're taking notes or if you have your Bibles open, maybe highlight, maybe underline, maybe circle verse 32. Go to verse 32 with me uh, for one moment, please. Verse 32. And I'm going to read this section from verse 32. Look what these men say. Didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and he explained the scriptures to us. Man. You know, I read that and, and I'm talking today about the beauty of the Lord. And, and we just heard a song about the goodness of the Lord. And I'm going to relate both those things. I actually think that that's the same thing. The goodness of the Lord is the beauty of the Lord. But for me, what I read in Luke 24, for me, that's part of the beauty of the Lord. That's part of the beauty of the Lord. It's that he speaks over us and he causes our hearts to burn again. 
You see, I think about these two guys, and, and I'm just thinking that that's exactly what they needed on their journey. I'm thinking that's exactly what they needed on their road and on their path was, Lord, you see the doubt and the struggle and the pain that I'm in, and you see the thoughts that are overwhelming me. And if I need anything in my life right now, the one thing that I need is I need you to burn in my heart again. And, and, I, and I do believe that when I read that, I, I say, man, that's the beauty of the Lord upon the believer, upon the sons and daughters. I, these two guys needed it, for sure. They were kind of discouraged. They're, like I said, their so-called Messiah now is, is no longer with them. And, and then if you listen to the conversation in Luke 24, it's so cool because they tell Jesus, like if he doesn't know because they don't know it's him yet. They say, you know, two of our girls, you know, two of our homegirls, like are friends of ours, they went to the tomb and his body wasn't even there. And they were able to speak to angels. They saw his angels and spoke to them. And the angel, and they ran back to Peter and the others and they told them everything. So, so here are two men so discouraged and distraught because their Messiah is gone. And then some of their very own crew have, have seen and even spoken to angels. And as they're walking, you could get the sense of, we haven't. <laughs> They've spoken to angels. Angels have confirmed it to them. And they're talking to Jesus, by the way, who's better than angels. But we, it's almost as if saying you're so caught up in the angel when the one talking to you is the one that that angel bows down to. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that crazy? So they're like, we haven't spoken to angels. He's like, right. You're speaking to the one they worship even better. It's so good. God's beauty over us. God's goodness over us. We get so caught up with the other one is experiencing and what we don't understand is the one that is speaking right directly to us. My goodness. So they're walking and they're confused and I'm guessing they're a little scared and they're a little worried and then the beauty of the Lord shows up and speaks up. And after this encounter, their hearts were not beating the same way, just like I believe Kayla's isn't. And their insides are no longer cold with fear. Their insides are no longer cold with fear. <laughs> because they, they declared it, where well, our heart's not on fire right now. For them to experience fire, it's, they had to have ex been experiencing cold on the way in that road. And, I, and I'm... <sighs> That instead of the coldness of fear, they said, did our hearts not just burn? Did they not just light up on fire when this man walked with us and spoke over us his word? You know, I, I start to think about God showing up. And, and, and all over scriptures, right, he's shown up in glory all throughout it. I've, I've seen, right, I've read, not seen, but I've read about men just falling to their faces. I, I've read Moses coming back from talking to Yahweh on the mountains and his skin and his face shone so radiant of his glory, of God's glory, that he would put on a veil over his face because the children of Israel were filled with such terror because of the glory of God that was on the face and on the skin of Moses. The beauty of the Lord. I mean, people are trying to sell you all these products and all you need is presence. <laughs> so that your face could finally shine the way you want it to shine. God's like, I'm trying to save you organically from all those things so that you could just come into my presence, whatever. I've read about a kingdom in which our citizenship is in. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. 
that if you really start to think deeply about it, you may start trembling because of the words in this book, of its sights, of its sound, of its beauty. You could probably start trembling when you start reading about the kingdom that we're part of. And maybe, maybe you're on a path and, and maybe on this road, on this journey, on this path, maybe you find yourself confused, worried, fearful, scared. You've lost the burning within you. But all you need, listen, all you need is him. And he shows up and he speaks up and you may find yourself saying, did my heart just burn within me as he walked and he talked with me on this road? Man, did I need this. Like what I could tell you today is whatever happened to me, now I don't know about what happened to you guys, but whatever happened to me today in this place, all I could say is, my God, did my heart not just get on fire? Did, it not, did fire not just touch it one more time again today? I don't know what the rest of the family experienced, but Lord, don't lift me up from the place where I'm set on fire. I'll take that right there over anything else because you know coming into today, I was worried and fearful and scared and dealing with my esteem, but something happened for me today in your presence that let that fire burn continuously and don't ever lift me up from there again. There is where I am found. There is, there is, there is where, like when, when I'm in this place, it's like, this is what I was called to. It was, this is greater than my calling of being a pastor. This is greater than my calling of being a husband. This is greater than my calling of being a father. This is greater than my calling of being a friend. This is my calling to burn for Yahweh. That's where I find my calling. Did my heart just burn within me? Because if it, because I don't want to ever experience anything other than that. Oh, man. I told the men this past Wednesday, I said, men, we need to burn again. And in order to burn again, we need to examine our foundation. And we need to examine whether we are properly fellowshipping in the context of family found in Acts chapter 2. We need to burn again, men. The other day I was walking, I was cleaning up some of the cars that were here. And I picked up a car that was left behind. And what a beautiful soul. This precious wife left anonymous. It's probably you, husband. It was probably your very wife that wrote this, but she said her, on a prayer request card, on We Make War cards, it said, she said, please pray that my husband could be the leader, the spiritual leader that he's called to be. And I saw that, and I was like, wow. Husband, your wife is waiting for you to be that spiritual leader. You know what she's really asking on that paper? I need someone to burn before me. I need him to guide me. I need him to lead me. Man, if you feel so convicted, I'm so happy you are. 
because it starts with me when my wife told me two weeks ago, today, put your phone away, we're going to spend time with the Lord. Because if you go and you preach to them on Sundays, you're going to come here tonight and you're going to preach to me in this couch. John chapter 1. True story. True story. True story, man. What is my wife saying? I see you burning before others, but you better start burning before me. Ah, hmm. oh, there's something in doing life in Christ with each other. Hallelujah. I don't know what, how, let's see how we do this today. But I want you to know this today. That the beauty of the Lord speaks over you. He speaks over your fear. He speaks over your worry, your failure, your sin, your sh- I don't even know what to cover, but whatever it is. Your failure, your sin, your shame, your guilt. And he wants you to burn in love with him again. Or if you already are, well, he wants you to burn with him even deeper. So it covers everyone here. I want to I read real quick from Romans chapter 2. If you could turn there. Turn to Romans 2 with me. Mm, worship team, just get ready just to, um, don't even prepare a song in a sense, but just be prepared to sing what God puts, amen? Just be ready to like, just say, God, just, man. In Romans 2, I, I don't want to read the whole passage, the whole chapter today, but, but I want to just grab the first four verses for a moment, and I want to show you this goodness, right, the song that we sang here. The goodness, the kindness of the Lord, how it's his beauty, this beauty of the Lord. And let's just read the passage here, verses 1 through 4 for a moment. <clears throat> this, is, um, this is Paul's writing here, and he says this. He says, you may think you, I'm going to read real quick from the NLT. He says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad and, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do the very same things. And we know that God in his justice, right, in his fairness, he will punish anyone who does such things. Verse 3. But since you judge others for doing these things, why, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you are doing the same things? Isn't that awesome? Paul's writing to the church here and he's, he's basically saying like, he's like, you... Church, you're just as, you're just as fault as, as the unbeliever. You're judging for certain things that you yourself haven't even grown from. That you yourself haven't even been perfected in and matured from. You're, you're, you're dealing with the same elementary things and, and yet you, you decide in your, in your, in your religiosity to, to, to speak judgment over these people but yet be careful because your judgment over them is actually your judgment over yourself because you're no one to speak when you you, it's like the whole like you you, the speck in your brother's eye but there's a whole log in yours kind of thing you know there's this massive pole in your eyes while you're dealing with the speck in another's eyes like you're just as fault and because God is fair and because God is just the justice of God is the fairness of God he then will punish everyone who does such things so, so you're judging others that are doing these things. But why are you thinking that you're going to automatically, just because, hey, I've received salvation, that you're going to be released from God's judgment when you yourself are doing the same exact thing? <laughs> so good. He's telling this to the, 
to his audience. But then in verse 4, I love verse 4. It's my favorite part of these first four, verse, first four, verse, four verses. He says, you try saying it one time. Not four or five. Right, here we go. Don't you see, verse 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Here it is. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Oh, New King James says it this way. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? What a powerful passage to hear as a church. Because, because this passage, man, in which Paul here is, is telling to his audience, don't think yourself any greater, superior to others. Don't do that when you yourselves are at fault for the same things. You're at fault and God, you're at fault and God is fair. You're at fault and God is just. He's fair. And you'll have to answer to these things. But what does he say next? But don't despise. Do not despise. What does he say? See how wonderful and tolerable and patient God is. And remember that the goodness of our God, it will lead you to right living, to repentance. The goodness of God leads to repentance. Don't despise that. Don't overlook that. That, that just as much as others, what is the, I guess what is the big picture here that Paul is drawing? That just as much as others, you deserve the worst punishment. Does everyone have that revelation today? That you, If you want to call it that because it's not a revelation. But do you understand that truth today? That we are all deserving of the worst punishment? I am. The worst punishment... But, but what? But his beauty, his goodness leads us. His, his beauty, his goodness leads us to repentance. And repentance is where we begin to experience, oh man, repentance is where we begin to experience righteousness. Repentance is where we begin to receive righteousness. I need all my wrong to be made right. We'll live in repentance and receive the righteousness of Christ. And wrong becomes right and shame becomes covered and sin gets covered. And all those things begin to get covered because of the beauty and of the goodness of the Lord even over your sin. Someone once asked me, do you preach the whole gospel in your truth? Well, what is this? They had the audacity to tell me I didn't. What is this? This is not the full gospel. This is it. So, so what is Paul saying here? That we didn't repent and receive salvation necessarily because, maybe some of us did, because you were just scared of hell. That's what Paul is saying here. Hell was that the purpose of your salvation when you really come to know Christ? We didn't repent and receive salvation because we're scared of hell. And so many times we do that so much better. So many times we do that so good. Listen to this. We scare people into salvation all by showing them how to escape hell. 
If you don't accept Jesus today, you're going to go to hell. If you don't, and we stand in the corners of the streets and say, Pastor, we need to start an evangelism team. The heck you are if you're going to stand in the street and tell people they're going to go to hell if they don't know Jesus. Because my Bible says that the beauty, that the goodness of the Lord leads man into repentance. Some you got to win by scaring the heck out of them. But don't make it a ministry to, to try to have people escape from hell to receive salvation. And the church and I and we, we might find ourselves doing that so much better where we scare them into salvation. But come on, I want you to say this. Be better. Mm. Let's be better. Let's be, yeah, you can say it. Right. Let's be better at demonstrating, listen, with our lives that our Lord is wonderfully kind and he's tolerant and he's patient and he's beautiful and he's filled with goodness. Let's be better at doing that than telling others you're going to hell. How about you start living in the beauty and in the goodness and in the forbearance and in the long-suffering of the Lord and maybe that will draw men to the cross and to Jesus Christ. Lord, I want that what pours out of us is, is the goodness of the Lord, is the beauty of the Lord. That we'd be better at demonstrating that than a message of condemnation. Come on, that, that we would know this, that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. How many of you could say that? The goodness of God leads me to repentance. Amen. We are saved today. And we should be burning today. And the reason we go for it, we go for it, deeper intimate presence, the reason we go for it is because no other reason than the goodness and the beauty of the Lord caused it. The reason I go for it is because the goodness and the beauty of the Lord led me. And it started with leading me to repentance. It is, it is his beauty and his goodness that should make us long more for him. It's his beauty that will take us to a place of greater glory. And not because you said a prayer to escape hell. That'll get you so far. But because you entered a lifestyle in his beauty that has you desiring for more of him. I don't even know if I should repeat that. That, that the beauty of his goodness, the, it's, it's, it's not because I said a prayer to escape my punishment, but I've entered a lifestyle in it, in his beauty that has transformed my being, and now it has me desiring for more. How many of you can, and don't raise your hand, rhetorical, because it'll be very... Sad for the ones that are like, I just can't, but how many of you can really just testify today of the beauty of the Lord is causing me to burn again? The beauty of the Lord is causing me to receive more glory. The reason why we're not receiving more is because we're paying more attention to the weight of our sin and the weight of our darkness and the weight of our shame. But if we get our eyes off of that onto the beauty of the Lord, then you will start to receive 
the glory that you know your soul deeply desires. But you're so caught up in what you're not when you could be so caught up in who he's called you to be. Come on, how many of you are going to drop who you're not today? Well, I'm not that yet. Good, you're going to drop it today, and today you're going to receive, I'm going to receive what he's calling me to be. I'll tell you today that the beauty of the Lord speaks over you. Can you say that to yourself today? One more time. Speak back to it. If you just said that and you meant that, the beauty of the Lord speaks over me. Here's my charge to you. Speak back to it. You're listening because you just said it. If you said it and you meant it, the beauty of the Lord speaks over me. If you said that today and you've, and you've experienced that in your life, the beauty of the Lord is speaking over me, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge you with one thing. Ready? Speak back to it. Because just as you hear it, he hears you. Speak back to it. How many of you know that it's time to speak back to it? Mm, speak back to it, God. All right, I'm going to share. I'll share one more thing. We've, read, we've taught on this passage, and, I, and I'm going to, not necessarily teach on it, but I'm going to reference it one more time. It's found in Psalm, I mean, as soon as I say it, you're going to know it. Psalm 27. All of you could quote it, maybe. Go to Psalm chapter 27 with me one more time today. Psalm 27, right? The Lord is my, all right. Okay, guys, listen to David. Listen to his words here in one of the most troubling times of his life. You with me? Here we go. Verse 1, uh, Rudy, what translation am I reading from right now? I forgot to mark it. Huh? All right, New King James. Here we go. Sorry about that, guys. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life, is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Verse 3, though an army may encamp against me. David, okay, David, listen to David's words now for a moment. Though an, amity, an, an, wow, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. Verse 4 is bolded. One thing I have desired of the Lord. And that is what I'll seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 5, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me and he shall set me high upon a rock. There is so much imagery there that you can't even wrap your mind about it. I mean, we're talking about presence and we're actually talking about Jesus right here in the Old Testament. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I mean, we're just asking you to sing the lyrics on the screen. Please just raise your hand with us. Please just repeat this song. If you're going to come to the temple and you already woke up early and you got yourself all done did, just come on. Enter into the presence of God with the ones that desire. Just come in. And if you don't keep coming, 
God will move you to come in. And, and, he's, and, and here's David. And, and he says, he says oh, I'm going to be in your pavilion, in your tabernacle. There's where you hide me. There's where you set my foot. Now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer these sacrifices of joy in this tabernacle. And I will sing, yes, I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord. Love it. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Lord, that we would start crying again. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, because if you are in any kind of relationship with anyone else other than God, you will see that people forsake you, even moms and dad at times. Then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. Because of my enemies, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen up against me and such as breathe out violence 13 I would have lost heart unless I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living I'm seeing heaven here on earth Amen. so what 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 David what David what does this mean? Because I'm not going to grab this scripture and, and, and purpore it so that it could smell good to me and say, well, well, this is what God is speaking to me. What does this passage in your life mean for me? Verse 14, I think he gave us a present. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he's going to strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's what it means to you. Wait on the Lord. I listened to David's words in, in one of the most troubling times of his life. And, and I clearly see this man who is actually known to be a man after God's own heart. And he's given us such a deep look into his own heart as he describes what, what I believe is the beauty of the Lord. How do I know it's the beauty of the Lord? Because there's an armies encamping around him. And he's saying, I'm going to the house of God, getting into his presence, so that then there I would be found. Can't explain that as anything else, but he's been in caught up in the beauty of the Lord and then he's standing before a huge mess before an obstacle before a trial before a mountain whatever you want to call it and as he stands before it he also goes in it and he also goes through it but he says something in verse 4 that I hope we catch today and we've been preaching here for a while it's that one thing that always remains before it in it and through it there's still one thing that always remains. Come on. Trial, burdens, beatings. How many of you stand before it? How many of you are in one? How many of you are going through it? But, but David says, but one thing remains. One thing remains. And it, before it, through it, one thing always remains. And it's the one thing that David desired. And it's the one thing that Mary desired over Martha, if you remember that. And it's the one thing that John desired before all the other disciples while doing life with Jesus. I know that, it was, I know that John desired it before even Peter desired it. Why do I know that? Because when Jesus was on the cross, John was the only one at his feet. The other ones went back to fishing. I'm th John didn't. 
I'm thinking John got to a place where he desired only one thing, and if even at your death, I'm going to still be at your feet to show you how devoted I am to the feet. Peter went back to the boat and started fishing again. Everyone said, Peter's the greatest, greatest apostle, greatest disciple. Be careful. John's not that far. John was right at the feet, even at death. I'm believing that just like Mary, when Martha was complaining about her sister Mary, and here's David in the midst of enemies and everything encamping around him, and here it is, John, before all the other disciples, there's just this one thing that each one of them desired. And we could go to many other people in the scripture, and David says in verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, and what is it? That I will seek and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. I love what the ESV says. The ESV says to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. My eyes are set on it. It's, a, it's gazing into it. It's set on it. It's, and to inquire in his temple. The Passion Translation says it this way. Here's the one thing. I love this. Here is the one thing I crave from God. Tito, Tito called me the other day and says, look what God showed me. I said, what is it, bro? He said, we don't eat that which we don't crave. You said something like that to me, don't lie. He's going to go to his notes. Just let me know when you have it. Here's the one thing I crave from God. Look what it says here. Say, say it out loud. You don't have any notes? Come on, read it from the notes. No pressure, brother. We have a Super Bowl to go to later tonight. We're in our Super Bowl. Hallelujah. You got what to you? Maybe that's good. Maybe Danny needs to read that, man. Amen. Danny, stand up, brother, and read it. Because from the, from the belly, boy, from the inside, you're a singer. Sing it to us. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> We don't always eat what we crave, but we crave what we eat. Hmm. We don't always eat what we crave, but we crave what we eat. I might have to ask some questions on that, but I get it. Here's the one thing I crave for. So the other day I went to Publix and I wanted to get like very... um. Very European. So I, I saw these little crackers, and I said, I love cheese and stuff like that. And I saw these little crackers, and I said, I'm going to buy these little crackers. And then I bought some, like my wife loves, what's that, Gouda cheese? Gouda. And then I said, I want to buy like, I don't know, like, like make little sandwiches, little crackers, like some nice ham or something. So I saw one that looked so good. I craved, right? And I said, and I always get like, uh, what's that ham called? Pros, uh, prosciutto. I always get prosciutto ham. And I like the way it tastes. It's very bad for you, but whatever. <laughs> I get it. But don't get it. Don't follow my lead on it. But whatever, I got it. And um, so I, I, I see this ham, and it looks so good in the refrigerator. And I see what it says, and I said, pork shoulder. And I said, I wonder if pork shoulder, I mean, I like pork, but I wonder if pork shoulder tastes good. That will be good with the gouda and the cracker. So I bought it. And asked Nancy, she was at the house the other day when I did it, and she's in the room, and I'm in the kitchen, and I finally said, I'm going to open it up. I'm going to try it. I grabbed a piece, and I stuck a little piece in my mouth, and all that came out of me was, oh, I spit the piece out. 
it stayed on my tongue. I don't know if you guys ever had that. It's like, it looks nice. It looks so good. But my God, it tastes so bad. <laughs> I started moaning. My wife's like, what's wrong? I'm like, the pork shoulder. <sighs> oh, you're such an exaggerated ego. I'm like, it's bad. I had to eat something. And I was trying to scratch my tongue on my teeth. It was bad. I said, I... You know, I'm so dumb. At the end of the day, I really wanted the prosciutto ham. It was probably even healthier than that dumb pork shoulder. <laughs> I should have gotten what I crave for. But instead, I took something just because it looked better. And you know, I feel like sometimes we live our lives like that, you know, where we take things that might seem to us to be better or look better or feel better, taste better. But in the reality, it's not better. If God gave you that crave for him, man, go after what he wants to serve you. And, and David got to a point of his life where he says, there's one thing that I crave from God. It's the one thing I seek above all else, passion translation. And I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him, proximity. That he takes pleasure in my every prayer. You know what David's saying? I'm tired of praying and feeling like he doesn't hear me. <laughs> I'm going to get so close to him that as soon as I open my mouth, I know his ear is attentive. Worship team, you could come up. We're not going to finish the message, but you could come up. No, you could come up. We'll finish it real quick. What is David saying? I will dwell in his presence. Say that. Why would David dwell in his presence? To behold the beauty of the Lord. That's the message. Don't get distracted with them coming up here. Look over here. What was David saying? I will dwell in the presence of the Lord to behold his beauty. That's what he's saying in this passage. I will dwell... In his presence to behold the beauty of the Lord. And it looks like David was on a path, just like the other two men that we started the message with. It looks like he was on a road and he encountered the beauty of the Lord. And the, the evidence in David's life is that there's fire that still burns deep within his heart. Are you with me? I feel like you're not, so I'm going to re-preach the whole message one more time. There were these two men that were walking on this road. Come on, don't mess with me. Can everyone put their eyes on verse 13? Everyone put your eyes on verse 13. What does David say after he says all these things, right? After David says, there's one thing I've desired from the Lord and that I will see. That when he says these things, I'm filled with all delight in his glory and his grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. I want, to, I, want, I want the privilege of living with him every moment in the house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face. Here's the one thing that I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all, above all else. But in verse 13, as he's getting ready to end this passage, he says, but yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm living here on this land I'm confident of it that I could live here and experience and see the beauty and the goodness of the Lord how many of you can be confident of that today praise God praise God here it is you could you could open up to Philippians 3 and we're done you could open up to Philippians 3 and then we'll wrap it up that's what I'll end with in Philippians 3, 
I want you to, f- and, and leave the house just like this. I, w- I, want, you to, I want you to listen to how, how, how I was going to read it in the passion, um, in, the, in the message, the way Eugene Peterson puts it. But, but check out how this translation puts it in passion. It, it's, it's so cool. And, and, and even the ESV and the New King James is just as good. I mean, it, it's an amazing passage. Here's Paul's letter. And he's writing to Philippi. And he's writing it from prison. And it's been debated whether he's in, in Rome or, he, or if he's in Ephesus during this time. But we look at chapter 3 and we see Paul's reasoning as he's writing this section here. And he's reminding the church, he's reminding them that, a, listen, a life surrendered is leaving it all for Christ's sake. That continue to press on. There's an ultimate goal to continue to press on. How many of you need to hear that today? Continue to press on to the ultimate goal. And to set your eyes, he's telling the church, set your eyes on heaven. Reminding them you don't belong to this world. You belong to another world. Paul, amazing apostle, amazing, amazing penmanship, amazing writing, amazing leader. And he says this, and I want to speak it to you today. Look what he says here in verse 1, chapter 3, 1 through 11. Read it in your translation with me. Follow along with me. He says, my beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. Don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach you that you should be circumcised to please God. For we've already experienced heart circumcision. We worship God in power and in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and in religious duties. He's, he's, he's basically saying there is freedom now in Christ, man. Don't pay attention to these religious hypocrites that they want to control you over their traditions, over their laws and rules. When the truth of the gospel has freed you, the Holy Spirit has freed you now, that you're no longer caught up in laws and religious duties. Look what he says in verse 3 here. But we are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done. What are the religious people trying to say? You need to do, do, do to receive, receive, receive. And Paul says, no, you've already received that from Jesus, what he's already done. Don't get so caught up that you need to perform when Christ has already outperformed any performance that you could bring towards him. You can't outperform him. We are those who boast in what he's done and not in what we can accomplish in our very own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. Paul is an open book, an open letter. He's like, let me tell you about me because I was that person. I had a reason to boast. Shoot, if anyone could boast, it's me. I was good. That's what he says. Impress people with all my accomplishments. <laughs> That's me, he says. More than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. How many of you just out of Mike Tyson? Verse 5. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as a son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. Here's his, here's his boasting. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. Verse 6. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I learned under Gamaliel, I was, I was under one of the greatest teachers that ever taught in the synagogue. I was the next one up. Shoot. I was going to become the greatest Pharisee. I was going to become the religious leader of all other leaders. He says this. I was without a peer. No one was up to my standard. I was without a peer. Man, look at Paul. No one was up to my par. I stood out. We know that. 
because when they went to persecute Stephen, they, they showed who the man in charge was. They laid the, the clothes at the feet of Paul. I, no peer stands before me. Look what he says. I was without a peer, verse 6 though. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of what, I, what he thought, right? Defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic, the Jews. Believers, the church, with religious zeal. Verse 7, I love this. Now is when we get to the good stuff, ready? That's all the boasting. That's all the stuff that he could say I could, I could boast about. But look at verse 7. Yet all of these accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and I regard I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. The beauty of the Lord took over his life. Come on. To, tr to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to, to me now. So... So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. Verse 9, my passion is to be consumed with him. His passion is no longer to be anything else but to be consumed. Are you guys getting this for yourself? Because I'm not, if I'm reading this for nothing, man. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. Verse 10, and I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. Not that I have found, but I will continue to seek. As a Pharisee, I lived as if I found. But as a son, I'm living, continuing to seek after. As a religious person, you feel like you found it. But if you get away from your religious, religiosity and you become a son and a daughter, you will see that in you there's still a desire to search after. Religion tells you, stop, you found it. Intimacy with God says, come, there's more. the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me I love this I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death Paul's like I'm going to do what John did verse 11 only then only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him and his resurrection from the realm of death. Ah, oh, Lord. Guys, we're done because I don't know what else to say, but it sounds like Paul in this writing was consumed not by something, but by someone greater than himself. When you're consumed by the church and religion, that's the something. But when you're consumed by Jesus and his presence, that's the someone. Maybe something needs to happen so that then you can meet the someone. But don't get stuck on something. Uh, do we really want to be a family that brings in people because we have something to give? That's what we're going to stop at? Everyone's doing that. Everyone is giving something. 
Or do we want to be a people that when we gather and we bring in people, we have someone to give? Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Not something. Someone. Sounds like Paul was consumed. One, two, three, four, five. I just picked six. I think six things that he said with, there were so many. All of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I have now forsaken them. I regard it as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus. Verse seven. Verse eight. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past, throwing it and throwing all my boasting into the garbage pile. Verse eight. Verse nine. My passion is to be consumed with him. Verse 10. I continue to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. Verse 11, only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in the resurrection and the realm of death. It looks like Paul was on a path, just like David was on a path, just like the two disciples were on a path. And it looks like Paul was on a path and he was on a road. He was, it was called Damascus for him. <laughs> the road to Damascus, the other ones was the road to Emmaus. David was the road to his son trying to take his throne, the road to his daughters being raped, the road to <laughs> whatever. But it looks like Paul was on a path and he was on a road. And he encountered what we see in, in this passage here in Philippians. He encountered the beauty of the Lord. And the evidence was that now there's a fire that burns deep within his heart. And that's all he could say. There's only one thing I live for now and it's the beauty of the Lord. Guys, the goodness and the beauty of the Lord is not just what God does. Come on. But it's who God is. So I end with this. How many of us need the beauty of the Lord? Maybe it's already spoken to you today. How many of you needed to speak to you today? Are you on the path? Are you on the road? Are you in desperate need? Maybe you have a deep desire to encounter the beauty of the Lord, maybe. The beauty of the Lord speaks over me. Then, then what do I say? Answer back. I pray that, that the evidence would be a fire that burns deep within you once again how many of you can say amen come on stand with me hallelujah that we would burn again that we would burn again that you would show up and speak up that we would answer back that we'd burn again like Paul I want all my boasting and all my life to be consumed with you. Like David, I want all my troubles, all my life, I want it to be caught up with the one thing that I seek, to be in the house of the Lord, to be lost in your beauty forever. Like the two disciples on the road, confused, hurt, broken, lost, I want to be like them too, Lord. But you just show up right on time and you cause my heart to burn again. I need to fall in love again with that beauty. I need to come in encounter I need to come in close in close proximity to to the beauty of the Lord once again in my life how many of you know that's you today how many of you know that it's time to answer back it's between you and God really it's between you and God it's between you and God I want you to close your eyes Lord I, I know you've spoken to us today I know you're revealing more of yourself to us. And I know today 
someone heard the beauty of the Lord over their life. And today, Lord, they have to answer that call. Lord, I pray that the evidence of that would be that their hearts would burn again. That, that, that you, you would burn within them. Your, your beauty, your goodness never fails us. We sang that song on the screen earlier. Your, your beauty, your goodness overwhelms us. I want anyone here, Lord God, that needs that beauty, that needs that goodness, that it would overwhelm them today. If that's you today, go ahead, answer that call right now. Answer it. Answer back. Answer back right there where you're at. Answer back. You know the front's open if you want to just get lost for a little while. But right there where you're at, start answering the call. Start answering that call. Start answering that call. Hallelujah. Start answering that call. Come on, maybe you need to start praying that. Lord, set a fire deep inside of me again. Let me be, let, let, let there be that one thing that I seek after, the presence of the Lord, so that I could see the beauty. The beauty of God that just transforms me. Let that beauty of the Lord put a fire deep in me again. Let me crave, let me crave, let me crave for your beauty. Come on, begin to, Confess that and declare that. And let today be the day where there's a fire that's in your heart. Can you do that? Can you release that to the Lord today? Come on, you and God. You and God. You and God. Let me burn again. Let me burn again. Let me burn again. beauty of the Lord speak over my sin over my shame over my faults my shortcomings speak over me goodness of the Lord lead me to repentance lead me to righteousness oh goodness of the Lord come on begin to confess that before your Lord today hallelujah thank you Jesus so good 